Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, we took the last week off. Uh, Bud traveled around, uh, saw a little Vegas, saw a little Tallahassee, very similar places. Uh, so happy to be able to draw on Bud's experience as we frequently do and ever so fortunate uh, to be able to talk about Louisiana hot sauce as we have for going on seven years now. So Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, uh, litany of uses and uh, food improvements that are available and uh, one fortunate podcast to be sponsored by them. So as always, we thank our friends in New Iberia, and we uh, jump into this week's Nolcast. They're almost like DuPont, right? It's like we, we, we don't make the stuff you use, we make the stuff you use better. It's like we don't make the stuff you eat, we make the stuff you eat better. Uh, I, they may get in trouble for saying that. I probably won't. So I just said it. Yeah, man, uh, we're back on the Nolcast. And I, I, you know, I was talking to some of actually at, at FSU's Mega Camp yesterday and talking about publishing schedules and so I, I don't I don't know if we're ever going to go to a daily because I just want every time that you cl- you click that play button to just absolutely be appointment listening and you pick us over all the other podcasts you could possibly listen to because you know it's going to be jam-packed with good conversation and be a great combo of entertaining and information and I, I think we have that for you tonight so yeah back for Vegas uh got to play Shadow Creek might put up some pictures there on the Nolcast Instagram account if you guys are interested. 7,600 yards is a lot of yards. Uh, did break 100, barely, and that was a blast. So, uh, And then I got to go over to FSU for camp. Uh, they had their elite camp on Saturday evening, and then Sunday was the maybe the bigger camp for the overall purpose, which was the mega camp. And I, I got to tell you, man, FSU did a great job on this. They had over 2,500 kids camping, which I've been to a lot of these satellite camps. I went to some of the first ones. Remember back when Jim Harbaugh back in the day was, was doing satellite camps and, and you were having you know, a bunch of different schools go to these? This is sort of like that on steroids, except it's not really like a satellite because it's actually on a, a college campus in, in Tallahassee. This was very well run. It was organized. People seemed to know where they needed to be. And it... it Yes, FSU offered some kids from the camp, and we'll talk about that. And yes, FSU evaluated more kids at the camp who maybe they'll offer in the future, and we'll we'll talk about that too. And when I talked to Coach Morrell afterwards on you know the, the, on, on the record conversation, he wanted to keep it about the kids and talking about you know, all the kids that had been there. He can't name them by name, but just the opportunity for them. And and he's right about that. It's a great opportunity for the kids in the state to come and be evaluated by sixty something college staffs, including. Penn State, Arizona State, Indiana, Minnesota, uh, Kansas State, Coastal Carolina, a uh, bunch of bunch of other you know, very good schools. Akron, um, maybe not a great school, but like still a, a wide variety of schools. Even a decent number of FCS schools. If you have any kind of football ability and you do well at the camp, you probably got talked to by at least one college staff, and that's great. But in my opinion, the main reason why you do this, if you're Mike Norvell and his staff, is because you're trying to make up for lost time with all these high school staffs out there, man. You know what I mean? Like you had COVID shut down your stuff almost immediately upon being hired. I'm dealing with this at work, you know, at my work right now, right? I got hired February 28th and the world shut down March 7th. So I, I like, I kind of, I kind of know the feeling of not, not being able to meet a lot of the people you work with, you know, but one time. Ever and I've been here now for like eighteen months at twenty four seven. 
they're dealing with the same thing as far as not being able to meet a lot of these high school coaches in person, interact with them, and especially not being able to show these high school high school coaches how they coach. But if you're a high school coach, you're loving that kind of stuff. You are also really loving that Norvell got 63 schools down there to look at your kids. And maybe your kids got an offer out of it. Maybe they got a, hey, here's my number. Let's text each other. I'm going to be watching you this fall. But if you're a high school kid and you're getting some love from some college coaches, you're going to work that much harder in the offseason, man. You're going to show up on time. You're going to care a little bit more. And if you're a high school coach, you love that. And you love your kids getting offered because it makes you look better as a coach. This was basically a, a huge bone that Norvell threw to, the, to these high school coaches in the state of Florida. And I, I, I think it was a real big success. I didn't talk to a single high school coach there who was pissed off or, or who didn't like it. Like it was just, they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really impressive for me. It's really hard not to just uh, be in awe. It's too strong of a, of a phrase, but just really be impressed by the organization and the logistics of where Florida State is a program to be able to host something like this, and not uh, we don't always have to to go back and uh, and point out the struggles of others, but you know Florida State logistically hosted had trouble hosting ninety kids at one point uh, as recently as two years ago. Uh, you know to think that there were three thousand kids in Tallahassee, and I'm sure you know somebody had probably had to wait for a porta potty longer than they thought they did or whatever else. But uh, on the whole, it was a remarkably well executed event. And, um, you know, I think there's certainly a series of positives that can be extrapolated from the fact that the program's in a place to be able to logistically put on something like that and, and execute it at a pretty high level. Yeah. I think the quality of their, of their sort of, you know, back office and recruiting staff has improved over the last one uh, for the most part. And that, that's, that was certainly shown through there. Long-term, um, by the way, I think they're going to keep doing this. I think this is going to become a destination thing where they're kind of doing this for the high school coaches in the state every year if they if they can pull it off. Uh, there was a couple other things I liked here. I was, I was taking down some notes while I was at the camp. Uh, one of them is that FSU had music there, but they also had music that they didn't supply. And that music came from a place called Recess. Are you familiar with Recess? I am familiar with Recess. Yes, I am. So Recess is basically, if you look at it, it's like, if you look at it, it looks like it's right on top of Madison Social, right? Who is obviously our sponsor. Shout out to Matso. I ended up uh, eating lunch at Matso during the session. That place, it's literally a rooftop bar with a pool. It looks like something you would see in Vegas, at least from the outside. And I guarantee you, these high school kids, I know they have, they have the internet, they have Instagram, they have all that stuff. They don't see, uh, they don't see that every day where they're from. You get my drift? For that place to be banging like that, like that's that's some exposure and uh that's some that's some good exposure that you really can't buy. You're telling me in June of 2021 Tallahassee is still yet different. Uh absolutely. I believe it. I I believe it. I don't know if they like talked to recess or the folks who own recess or the boosters or the college town folks or whomever they needed to talk to. But dude, I I, I went back to the car to get my mobile charger because I thought I would need it. In fact, Chris Nee of Knowles 24-7, who they did an awesome job covering the whole event. He ended up needing it later in the day, so I was happy to have it because we had to go interview Coach Norvell. I went back to my car after the first session and I came back out and like literally the bouncer is setting up al- along, with, uh, l- along with one of the girls to let people into recess. I'm like, it's 1140 on a Sunday. 
you got people lined up in bikinis to go up to recess. So I don't know if that's, are they open every Sunday at that time? Like, is it Sunday fun day, just even over the summer? I don't claim to be an expert on it. I will say when we did one of our original meet and greets, when we did the, uh, oh, I remember, you know, the three different <laughs> yeah. event, that was the first time. That's the first time I got introduced to recess. I had to step away and call for it. I'd be like, Hey, uh, um, Hey, so this is new in Tallahassee. Let me explain this to you. Uh, yeah, so it is. Uh, it is something to see, and it, uh, as you said, certainly can can catch an eye or two. So uh, good on Tallahassee, continuing to be a, a favorable place to recruit to. Yeah. So I was talking to a coach. I'm actually not going to say what school he's from because I don't know if he was only if he was only coach from there from that school. I don't want to get him in trouble. He basically said, "Man, I hope these guys know you got to bring in dudes from the airport this way." And by this way, he pointed at Madso and Township and Recess and College Town. Because if you keep everybody, your recruits, on this side of campus, you'll never lose a kid that you shouldn't lose. He goes, we actually came in from kind of over there, and he, he pointed over towards uh, um, like mm-hmm. Ocala. He's like, you could lose kids if you bring them in through that way. If you bring them in over here, you ain't losing anybody you shouldn't lose. Which brings me out to my next point here I wanted to, to discuss on tonight's show. And we'll get into names more, but like I feel like this weekend wasn't really as much about specific names, considering they still have you know all these individual camps to come up if they're still trying to discover dudes. And we'll talk about a little elite camp too. I got some good feedback from that. But one of the things that I was getting asked about on the North 24 7 message board and on Twitter was why would they let all these schools in to see prospects? And I think the thing is you need to look at which schools were not there. Florida was not there. Uh, Miami was not there. They were not invited. No ACC schools were invited. No schools against whom you're fighting for recruits that you might actually lose somebody to if, if you had this thing running like it should run were there. All the schools were there are schools that are, to be frank, not legitimate threats to you if you had this thing humming like you should have it humming as a staff. So. People are like, well, hey, you're you're competing against Arizona State for this kid and that kid, yeah. But it's it's the 2022 class, right? Like you don't have this thing humming yet. You're hoping to make a bowl game in future years. If you're seriously losing Florida kids that you want to Arizona State, guess what? You're getting fired. Same thing with Penn State or Indiana or Minnesota. If Florida State is doing its job like it should be doing. You know, eventually, obviously, it's going to take a little bit of time. They're not losing Florida kids to those schools. Now, if they're doing their job, they can still lose a Florida kid to an LSU or a Bama or a Georgia or a Clemson, those types, you know, Ohio State. And guess what? The, the invites for those schools must just got lost in the mail. I didn't see, I didn't see those schools there. So I, I'm just not at all worried at all about the idea, of, hey, like, look at that. We recruit against them. Sure, but they're not threats for kids from Florida who you actually want unless you screw something up or are not operating at peak, at peak efficiency. Florida state takes part in these things as, uh, uh, other than the host as well. You know, I mean, these things will continue to go on. Uh, it beneficial for everybody. Like you said, there's some schools up there that, you know, I think uh, Penn state had some representation there. Uh, it's going to happen, but like, uh, again, somebody that you're really fighting tooth and nail for, I don't see somebody that you shouldn't win uh, in a normal college football landscape as you've uh, asserted yourself 
uh, nothing kind of appearing there either. So again, impressed overall by the talent they had, uh, the experience that they were able to put on uh, for kids, particularly being that this was not the only thing that they planned for for six or eight weeks. I mean, the football program has been out and about a massive logistic process in and of itself in the youth football camps that have been put on a lot going on. And as you said, uh, in my opinion, a lot of relationships made, a lot of ground made up. And that was the, uh, I don't want to say the sole intention, but certainly the main one. Well, I, I agree with that. Um, the, the other thing I, I, I wanted to just point out, just unique stuff that I picked up on. So schools were only allowed to talk to prospects if they were actually registered at the camp. So there were a number of good players there who stuck around from elite day who were at the camp. And I heard from other college coaches that they were really annoyed that they couldn't uh, you know, talk to those kids, but sorry, like they're not actually campers today. They're not wearing a camp shirt. They are technically unofficial visitors. And you, if you're not participating in a sanctioned camp, then coaches who are working that sanctioned camp from other schools are not allowed to talk to those prospects. So for instance, if like a five-star corner was hanging out at the camp, right? Uh, Jaywan Sider, who I, I know at, at Penn State, really good coach, awesome recruiter of the state of Florida, he can't go talk to Travis Hunter because Travis Hunter was not actually participating in the camp that Sider was was coaching. So I you know, heard a little grumbling about that, but that's just that's how that's how it works. Um, that was something interesting I picked up. Also, uh, I thought having it where they did, I just want to comment on, on the location real quick. Uh, because this is the first time FSU's had like a legitimate mega camp that I've been covering the Knowles and been covering them for what, 14 years now, I think, 13 years. Having them on, on the old IM fields, uh, I thought had some, some positives and, and some negatives. So the one negative is that the fields are not great quality fields. Uh, the grass was pretty long. And in some spots, it got pretty muddy and, and torn up. Now, that's not surprising given that you have 2,500 kids running through this thing. They did their best to move drills to try to you know, rot rotate the high traffic areas. I don't know that they anticipated how wet it was going to be in some spots, which contributed to some of the field uh, getting torn up. Um, so that was a little bit of negative as far as the quality of the field. I felt like some of the spots were a little bit, little bit long grown, a little US Open rough. But at the same time, if you cut that thing down super bare, it's going to get real dirt real quick, right? Um, I understand why they probably didn't cut it down. It maybe made the 40 times a little wonky. I don't know. I haven't seen them because that's not public data. Uh, but I'm pretty sure no, like I, I saw one kid tweeting, he ran like a 437 and uh, um, I would bet like my life savings that he did not. And probably would, would bet pretty heavily that he didn't run 447 or five, 457 either on that track. So that's kind of a negative, I guess. But one of the positives I would take away and maybe we're talking too much about just the organization and how the camp was run and whatnot, but I, I, you know, there's not that many names to discuss from that camp. From Elite Camp, we'll talk a little more about. Having it, and this is a sponsor, so full disclosure here, right? I, I think you guys are aware that we're sponsored by Madso and they do an awesome job. So what they had it set up was all the coaches and maybe a few select media members, even if we weren't supposed to, would go over to Township, Right. And they had like like a, a meal set up for all the coaches. If you're media, you couldn't get the meal, but you could you know sit outside and BS with some of these guys. Uh, and then all the parents and high school coaches and everybody else 
would go to Madso. Dude, there were like folks in there, parent-wise, who were snagging a beer during the stretch session. Like, that's brilliant, right? Like, I, I want to watch my son run, you know, run drills and do one-on-ones. Really don't need to watch him stretch. You know, just just get, get a little refreshment, pretty hot day. I think Madso probably did some pretty good business. If you were wearing this shirt, I believe, I think you got 20% off as part of your uh, invitation to the camp or maybe 10%. It was some kind of discount. Uh, I, I know on on the uh, on the flyer that some of the parents had seen, there, there was a discount there. So that's that's pretty smart. It show it's it's a great marketing tool for the school to have 2,500 kids on there with, with their families that came with them. Go and hit up one of the more uh, you know attractive places in Tallahassee, which is College Town. For you know, if you're a college student or perspective you know, perspective college student, just just smart little details. I, I thought they did a good job on. Impressed to hear that. We do want to talk kids. I'll also say we're going to record twice uh, this week. So uh, there'll certainly be a lot that, uh, you know, is not contained within this show uh, that will circle back to it. Uh, but yeah, why don't you just give some of your initial impressions of uh, individuals? Uh, if there's a storyline as to where Florida State is with them in the process, certainly give us that. Uh, but what did you see when you were up there exactly? Well, I saw. Actually, better talent than I thought I was going to see on on Mega Camp Day, right? I thought I thought Elite Camp would have a lot, and yeah, we didn't talk a lot about Elite Camp on the podcast because sometimes there's a little bit of horse trading that goes on with information. How this works basically is you can't technically shut anybody out of a camp. Like you can't say no, this is invite only as as a camp. You could say it's. I guess registration is full, but like there's some trickiness to that, especially if one day you're having you know, 2,500 kids and the previous day you had 80. So the, the real way you host an elite camp is just to not publicize it. And you send, you know, you make sure that certain kids are aware and, and, and you get them up. But for mega camp, I was actually pretty impressed by the quality of the talent. There were a number of kids there who I think got you know, BCS level offers. I eyeballed it and I think probably a hundred plus offers will come out of Mega Camp if they haven't already. I mean some college coaches I know were planning to offer nine or ten kids each. So that's a pretty big deal. My boy Wyatt Sullivan, kid that I, I've been um you know my my guy here I've, I've been promoting quite a bit. I don't think he's an FSU quality player, but I, I was pretty sure he's better than like a no scholarship quality player. I think we mentioned him maybe in February. Remember like the first pylon event when it opened up? Post pandemic, and I was like, "Yeah, there's a kid, no stars, no offers, no profile, kind of killing it on the seven on seven scene." And he's like, "You know, six four ish." He was a, a hooper for Buford, who came down to to you know, Robert F Monroe Day School, just down the road from Tallahassee, and uh, he actually picked up four offers yesterday. I think it was. Oh, this is the kid you saw in warmups and stuff. I think, uh, yeah, I remember us talking about yeah. this kid. And Absolutely. he like killed it in seven on seven. And I was talking to his seven on coach, uh, you know, Harrison Smith, who, who's a guy that helps a lot of kids in Tallahassee. I was like, man, Harrison, who the hell? I didn't say hell. I was like, who is this kid? Right? He's like, oh yeah, he uh, he's new. We we just got him. He was a he was a basketball player from Buford. He, he moved down. No no film and pads, and yet, like I know he impressed a lot of schools out there. I think he picked up Arizona State. Charlotte, Kansas, maybe two more. I, but it, it was a pretty nice day for him. And uh, a good example of a player, you know, his high school coach has to be just over the moon, right? A guy who goes from like no D1 or, you know, like upper level D1 offers to, to having five in one day. 
FSU-wise, though, they, they did have a number of kids there they either, either really liked or, or ended up offering. There's a tight end from Sweden. I may botch this name, but he went to Alabama the prior day. He, get, he got offered. He went a couple other places. He got offered. Uh, the feedback I got from FSU on him was that he's a beast. Theodore Orstrom? Ostrom? Ostrom. Ostrom. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Bama loved him. FSU loved him. And that's a guy we're going to have to watch. Just, just an absolutely really big tight end. And, uh, and, and somebody who, I mean, who knows how he'll fit into the picture. But FSU is, man, I, I, I know the offensive line used to be kind of my, my pet peeve. Oh, I'm, I've picked, yeah. Yeah, I, I know where your attention has shifted. I've so got far. a new one. <laughs> I've got a new one. Yeah. Uh, and by, uh, guess what? Judging by how many offers FSU is throwing out at the position, they agree with me. Or more, probably, it's probably more I agree with them. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I knew before the coaching staff. They, they knew first. Uh, but they're, they're throwing out offers you know, left and right on uh, at the tight end position. Another one who they ended up liking quite a bit is actually a guy named Jake McTaggart. You familiar with this kid? I'm not familiar with Jake, no. So Jake McTaggart uh, is from Hayesville High School, which is in North Carolina. Like 6'5", good athlete. I talked to Brendan Sinone when I pulled up and he pointed him out to me. So the kid got hurt as a sophomore. He moved, I believe, during his junior year. So his film is very limited. Again, another kid who, if we had regular camps last year, maybe he he gets you know gets gets offers much earlier. But now looks like he's blowing up. So Jake McTaggart is another guy to watch there. Uh, I actually didn't check to see who, who his other offers are. Did you pull him up? Yeah, I mean he's got. Uh... He, he's in the process of getting a lot of this stuff, it looks like, but uh, picked up a what a Troy offer over the weekend, I believe, uh, and then has some Ivy League interest, Air Force Academy, Dartmouth, Kentucky. Yeah, and then and FSU didn't offer him yet, you know, but like he's a guy that I think will be, at least to my knowledge, they didn't offer him. But uh, based on the fact that he he balled out at at the UC Report in Charlotte, which is a, a kind of underclassman camp recently. And, uh, you know, and that he did a really nice job in Tallahassee and the coaches were certainly watching him with a keen eye. It wouldn't shock me, you know, if, if he gets an offer. A couple other names to know from the actual mega camp day before we shift back, you know, to the, uh, to the elite camp day. I thought, uh, I thought Elijah Russell was an interesting name. Florida kid, none of the three Florida schools seem to be on him that much. He's a defensive end. I, I kind of had mixed thoughts. At times, I thought he looked good, but he also looked kind of gassed. You know, I, I know Arizona State is recruiting him pretty hard. Arizona State was actually there uh, watching him, and uh, he's going on an official visit already planned before the camp, obviously, to go see the Sun Devils. Uh, at this point, he's not really a player that I think you have to move on necessarily. I, I just I I think you have higher prior, priority targets. But I know we had a couple people asking about him. There was also a kid there uh, from the Pace Academy up by you in Atlanta. MJ Morris High School as well. But yeah. Yep. So his name is uh, Trovon Baugh, right? I never heard of this kid. I don't think he actually has a, uh, a profile for us on 24-7. No, he doesn't. Like he'll, he'll have one probably this week. I'm watching some drills and I'm actually standing next to a Penn State coach and he's with his GA. And they're doing the drill where you know you're kind of backing your haunches 
and then you fire out from your knees and you know you, you shock him, keep the hands inside in the bag. Trevon Boz, dude who was holding the bag, basically went ass over tea kettle. I'm not saying it was full backflip, but like he definitely landed up like where his he literally did a, a backflip. I was like, uh, hmm, that's that's notable. Like, who just delivered that blow? That, that's and the other coaches were like, uh, whoa, okay. This school has produced Andrew Thomas, uh, who was the first round pick of the Giants at offensive tackle, and then also uh, Jamari Sawyer, who is like an All American type guard and is actually playing tackle, I believe for Georgia this year. Uh, so that's certainly another kid to know. Uh, offensive line, another dude that I, I think if you guys are serious recruit Knicks, you may want to know that I know Alex Atkins gave a lot of attention to and watched pretty intently is a kid from Brunswick. Ingram, you want, you want to play where is that Georgia town or county and, and fill people where Brunswick is? And it's one of our favorite games, bro. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I always love talking about Brunswick, Georgia. Also, the uh, friendly competition between themselves and Virginia as to who was the creator of Brunswick Stoop. But Brunswick, Georgia is the uh, far southeast corner of the state, I guess almost as far as you can get without going out to the ocean. So take Jacksonville, 30 minutes north, due north, and you're about Brunswick, Georgia. Perfect. All right. So, um, yeah, Brunswick had a kid named Jamal Merriweather. He said he was six foot seven. I told him, fine, I'll give it to you. I think he's probably more like 6'6". He's a class of 2023. I would say he's, I mean, I don't have numbers, so I would say somewhere between like 260 and 270. Again, 23, that's that's awesome size. And then he started talking to me and smiled and he's wearing braces. This kid almost broke my hand. Like my hand is still a little bit sore from like how hard he shook my hand. And he, he grabbed me like about up to like mid forearm. Okay, so look, another really good example of... Uh, you know why? Why this camp is probably pretty valuable. I think Jamal Merriweather might really be a dude. He has uh, he has no no twenty four seven profile yet. There's a lot of kids. I think I have fourteen or fifteen dudes from this camp who we didn't have profiles on yet at twenty four seven, and probably another five or six who we didn't have grades on yet because we were waiting to see him in person. So for me, that was a tremendous opportunity. I if if that kid keeps improving, I could easily see him being a, a really high-level kid with with that kind of wingspan, that size, that age. The braces, which as an evaluator tell me that it's possible he's, he might actually be young for grade level you know, and still growing, that's encouraging. As far as I know, he didn't get an offer. Now, let's talk about a kid who did get an offer. You, you, want, you want to talk about the offensive tackle? Yeah, that's always an area of uh, particular interest for us. Let's do it. So Tennessee offensive tackle commitment, Brian Grant, who is uh, in some places listed as a defensive end. He actually played defensive end in high school this year. So still developing six foot. I don't, I don't know if he's really six foot eight, but he's definitely got that kind of basketball look to him, you know, very like legitimately a, a, a tall kid. I think he's probably more like a six, six and a half, six, seven, maybe. 260, 270, moved pretty well. Alex Atkins was was all over him. I'm assuming that the you know, the arm length or wingspan is is pretty damn good. Like he didn't he didn't stand out to me as a guy who who looked like he had like crazy long arms. Um, but still at that height, that's you're, you're going to have decently long arms just you know, based on that. Moved well, no bad weight on his frame, and uh, they ended up they ended up offering him. 
So that's a, that's certainly one to watch. They're in a good position with a lot of a lot of offensive tackle prospects out there, but I don't know that they're in great position with a lot of offensive tackle prospects. So it's sort of a situation where, kind of like we were talking about last week, all right, do you really feel that great about the Wake Forest game or the Boston College game or the NC State game or who the Louisville game? Individually, no. I don't feel great about any of those contests. But do I feel pretty good that you're going to be able to win at least one, if not two of those? Yeah, I do. I, I think you have, you have pretty good odds of pulling at least one, if not two out, just because you're going to be in, in at least decent position. That, that's kind of how I feel about offensive tackle recruiting you know, right now. Brian Grant, I don't know exactly where he fits in on their board right now as far as like if he called him and said, hey, can I commit right now? I'm not saying he could or he couldn't. I just literally don't know exactly where he fits at this point in time. But he looked good, man. And certainly some of they're, they're going to continue to monitor as the year goes on. I'm guessing Tennessee was probably not super happy that he, that he was uh, he was going to the camp. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, it's just good. To, like you said, it's a game of numbers. Florida State certainly is uh, made a lot of aggressive evaluations, trying to figure out uh, how to deal with a situation. And uh, again, we're not right to the point to where we can kind of put all of our offensive line concerns on a shelf and put them away until a later day. But uh, certainly appears as though we're getting there in a manner that, uh, you know, a level of conversation that we haven't been able to have along in a long, long time. And you're right. Numbers will be the only thing that solves it. I mean, if you, if you want to go there, we, we can bring this up now. Uh, LSU did not hire Alex Atkins, right? As far as I know, I don't even think Alex Atkins interviewed with LSU. And I, I, I have no indication that he's looking to go anywhere at this point in time. Um, they hired what Brad Davis. I think that that is an encouraging sign that Alex Atkins, a couple things. Number one, that he believes in Mike Morvell and sees the value of learning and coaching under Mike Morvell. Now, I, I, I've talked to Atkins before, like before he was even hired at FSU because a, a friend of mine in the business had introduced him to me. And it's like, this guy's going places. Like he's going to be a head coach someday, you know, a, an offensive coordinator someday. And in fact, he already was, right? A, like the co see there run game coordinator, I believe, at uh, at Charlotte. I think he has bigger aspirations than just jumping jobs for a, you know a somewhat of a pay raise to coach offensive line in the SEC. I think Atkins is a dude who understands the value that he gets in coaching under, and learning under Mike Norvell, you know, and that's that's something that's pretty valuable. I, people did talk as far as other coaches there about. You know how much they respected what Norvell does offensively, and then obviously they thought he was doing a good job running the camp. So we got a lot of questions about that last week. I guess it's kind of outdated, but uh, when I asked around about that, the word I got was like he's not going anywhere. At least not not to be an offensive line coach elsewhere. Now, if, if you know if Georgia calls him like, hey, you want to be our OC? Then we we may need to have an emergency show. But who knows? I, I don't think it's going to happen this season. Um, not on the schedule here per se, but uh, I will tip our hat to the softball team real quickly has secured a place in the college uh, softball world series uh, this, uh, the, against Oklahoma. They have a little championship series. I, I just want to speak real quickly about the psychology of going into a loser's bracket. Uh, the Florida State's now won, I think, eight elimination games in a row in the uh, college world series. Uh, 
that's more of a historical perspective, but what they've done this year, uh, as far as dropping into a loser's bracket, playing a ton of games, now beating Alabama twice, a team that otherwise hadn't lost uh, in 20 games. I had a, uh, I had a wrestling coach uh, in high school that I was real close with and, and had a, uh, you know, probably as informative uh, learning experiences as I could have from uh, anybody there. And he would always talk about, you know, I've coached at colleges where you can go and recruit easily and you can kind of choose, or if you're in a more challenging place, uh, how you try to build up a program. And he was always talking about, oh, I just go and get kids who, who come in third place at, uh, at big tournaments because um, in wrestling, you get dropped into the loser's bracket and you ultimately can't win, but you get dropped into the loser's bracket and have to fight like hell. And there's an awful lot to be taken away from a kid that ultimately places third or maybe even fifth in some of these tournaments. Um, so yeah, everybody can talk about mental toughness. Everybody can talk about uh, culture and everything else. Uh, but to see a program drop into the loser's bracket, go on the run that they did, uh, play in some of the game times that they did, uh, just remarkable what the softball program has done. And they have uh, not yet brought another championship to this fan base, but have uh, certainly brought another championship series and will be an awful lot of fun to look and watch. And uh, we send them our best against Oklahoma. The, the pitcher for Alabama that they just beat through like the first perfect game in the college world series history in like, or like what, 20 years or something like that. It, it was, I mean, she, she dominated the other night and FSU does this having played games at like, Hey, you want to go, you want to play that game on the moon? All right. How about Mars? You want to play at 4 a.m.? Yeah, just, just crazy Schedule stuff. Schedule that for 2.20 in the morning, please. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll play you in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll beat your ass anywhere here. So, uh, good, good for the, good for the Lady Knowles. That's, that's awesome, man. I guess real quickly here, back to, uh, back to more recruiting chatter. Just more good news. The number of kids they got on campus, Elijah Pridget, Nigel Kelly, the defensive end who decommitted, but now came back on campus, brought his mom. Uh, I will, I will say, uh, some guys who, who I thought did a really nice job for them at Elite Camp, just based on the feedback I got. The first name that everybody came talking about was was a dude named Travion Williams. Are you familiar with Travion Williams? A little bit, yeah, I am. Impressive prospect. I didn't know this. He actually plays mostly quarterback for his team in high school. Quarterback, offensive or uh, out linebacker, defensive end. Looks like he, uh, as someone who took a couple snaps at quarterback with a neck roll on, I uh, I really like Travion Williams. That's 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 some good position versatility that you like to see out there. Have you watched this film yet? Like I, I assume they're just running wing T and, and like like single wing stuff and just letting him just crush people. Yeah, more or less. Okay, it, it, they aren't making it complicated. I'll put so it that way. He, he's not he's not chucking it all forty times a game. <laughs> Uh, you see him throw it a little bit, but yeah, for the most part, it's, uh, you know, Travion lead blocker. Yeah. Impressive game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you even out the numbers and Travion Williams is your ball carrier at the high school level, that's going to be pretty hard to stop. Like that. Yeah. That that's, you're going to have good angles to run the football. That, that's, that's going to be solid. Anyway, uh, he was killing people out there rushing the passer. So, Certainly, somebody who I think will probably rise in the rankings, uh, and who FSU will uh, continue to to pursue and continue to evaluate during his senior season. So that, that's that's one. They, they do need more help at the defensive position. I think they need some guys who are a little bit thicker. If you think about the dudes that they signed last year with with George and, and with Peyton, those guys are a little bit skinnier, and they have the frame to add some weight. George more so, 
than Patrick Payton does. Uh, although I think Patrick Payton will add some weight. But ultimately, they need some guys who are bigger bodies there as well. And uh, uh, Trayvon Williams would absolutely fit that mold. I'm also told uh, that the staff came away uh, very pleased with Kaniah Charlton, offensive lineman we've spoken about from Georgia up, up your way. And uh, he does have some bad weight that he needs to shed, but they like his quickness at his current weight, and they think he'll unlock more if he sheds some weight. They like the power, the punch, and the competitiveness. So I know some people on on social media were, were DMing me and saying, hey, like, hey, are you worried that he's too heavy? Yeah, I mean, if he's going to line up and play for FSU tomorrow, he's, he's way too heavy. But guys do lose weight sometimes and, and play well. Florida's got a kid who's lost like 90 pounds or, or something, like something crazy. Ethan White, I believe it is, and uh, and is, is now either in their starting lineup or, or pretty close to it. I know he's a guy they like over there in Gainesville. Kanye Charlton doesn't need to lose anywhere near that. And I, I just I, I know they're higher on him than maybe like the average uh, recruit Nick might be. So that was good to see. Yeah, a feeling seems to be mutual there. I mean, that's an interesting story. That's the kid that was uh, had his name misspelled in a graphic a couple of years ago by a previous staff and had written off Florida State. Uh, but Florida State looks to be in a pretty good situation there as, as we stand currently. Well, else here? Uh, Michael Williams showed up, big-time defensive, defensive lineman from the state of Georgia. Probably not going to happen, in my opinion. Uh, everybody thinks seems to think he's going to Georgia. Uh, I will also note that uh, uh, today Georgia lost a, a commitment from Bear Alexander, big-time defensive tackle from the state of Texas. So just doing the math there, don't see Georgia losing out on, on Michael Williams, assuming that they, they really want him, and I, I think they do. So, yeah, just uh, not going to be putting a crystal ball in there. I might actually want to increase my crystal ball on Kenai Charlton. Uh, I, I, I was the first one to drop one in. Back in, I think I was the first one to put one in back in, in uh, early February. And uh, I'm a six on that one. So I may want to go ahead and increase that. A name, this is not really new, but it's just other people got to see what, what we had previously discussed on, on the pod, I guess. Uh, remember when I told you I thought Alu Ba had lost a lot of weight? I might have even undersold that dude. Like he was moving extremely well out there. I know the staff came, I mean, he's obviously committed, so they're going to be pretty impressed with him, I would say. But they they liked what they saw there. If you end up with with Aluba and Kanaya Charlton as your two guards in this class, and you somehow find a way to pull three tackles, that's a pretty damn good situation to be in. That's a nice, nice guard combo. Probably the best guard combo you have signed since what? Like Trey Jackson, Matias? And even those guys had questions coming in. They weren't locks to be studs. Like they, we thought they had some real potential, but they weren't like no doubters. Really impressive kid. And again, a, a, another step in the long process that we have talked about as far as assuaging concerns at that particular uh, position group. I feel like we've kind of organically thanked our friends at uh, Madison Social as we've gone through the show here. So as always, we'll uh, tip our hat to them. But uh, why don't we? Why don't we thank our good friends at Congruity and. Uh, remind the uh, the folks as to where they can go for either a fantastic mortgage refi or uh, just a you know five minutes with Shannon talking about what this offensive line might look like in the future. Absolutely, do so if you want to get the best home loan or refi in the game. Eight four four FSU loan. Call the legendary team; they do a tremendous job. Shannon and Chad are, are great. I was texting them basically as soon as I, le- I left camp. They, they they wanted the details. 
some of the stuff couldn't really talk about in tonight's show, but uh, you know, hey, if you are a really loyal advertiser, we may hook you up with a little bit extra info that, that can't always make the airwaves for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, they, I know they're, they're excited to, uh, to hear that. If you give them a call about the loan, I can't guarantee you that Shannon will share that. I, I hope he doesn't. But uh, I can guarantee you that you'll get an awesome, awesome experience, great customer service, excellent rates, highly competitive. Over 150 NOLCAST listeners have decided to use the legendary team for their home loan or refi. Guys, I just strongly encourage you to find out why. Do so by calling 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. Tell them we sent you. So we've certainly talked about an awful lot of good that has uh, gone on with the program over the last, uh, really last month or so, or two months when you talk about some of the youth camps uh, that have been around state. A uh, couple, couple things we want to take note of. Look, you've made a hell of a push to try to grab Cade Madden and, uh, you know, put put your best foot forward. Ultimately, a kid who uh, comes, looks at Florida State, but as soon as he actually follows through with that visit to uh, to South Bend, I, th- I think most people had a decent idea as to where this was going. But officially, Cade Madden's not coming to Tallahassee. He's going to South Bend. We need to acknowledge it, recognize it, and uh, go from there. I mean, wh- what can we say here? I, the staff felt like they, they did a nice job with their presentation. They thought they were in a good spot for him. They were you know, very active. They were on him super early. And ultimately... And look, people won't like this. We'll probably get a one-star review for this. Counteract that by giving us five-star reviews for the honesty and for you know being the number one podcast in FSU. But look, if you're a graduate transfer and you want to improve your NFL draft stock, if you're really sure you can start, Notre Dame is just a more sure bet, man. They've sent multiple guys to the NFL, many of them first-rounders in the last couple of years along the offensive line. It's kind of becoming what they're known for. FSU is hoping to get to average as an offensive line this year. Like their world's different as far as quality. I'm not saying their world's different as far as quality of coaching, but their track record is just not comparable at this point in time between what Notre Dame has been able to do and what FSU has been able to do basically since Kane Madden was in what, eighth grade? So I totally understand, you know, why he would make that decision. I don't think this is something that FSU screwed up. If you want to tell me, hey, bud, I think they have egg on their face for the hashtag campaign and for the all-out social media blitz. All right, I'll listen to you. I don't know that I agree with that that they do. I mean, obviously, they, they went all out and they lost. That's embarrassing. Was it a bad idea to go all out? Probably not. You didn't lose anybody on your roster to the portal who you actually wanted to keep as a result of it, it's not like anybody was rubbed the wrong way and now they're pissed off and they're not going to come back and play. And like we said at the time, he noticed the social media push and so did his parents. So you shot your shot, you lost. Hell, Babe Ruth struck out a bunch of times too, I guess. I, 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 don't, I don't really know what else to say there. Like I, I just, I think one of the reasons why you were so excited about getting Kane Madden, if, you're, if you could pull it off, was just like, that's not a prospect, the quality of which you are typically able to get at this point in a rebuild. You know, you got Mackenzie Milton, but the dude almost lost his leg three years ago. So you don't actually know what you're getting fully. And I, they, they like what they've got based on what I was told this weekend. You know, Jermaine Johnson was a part-time player who was going to be second or third string at Georgia this year. They love what they have in him. Kane Madden, there's not a lot of question as to what you're getting. The dude is really good. 
And unfortunately for the Knowles, a program that's just in a much better spot with a much better track record at his position came calling and said, hey, you're going to be a starter. And he went. I, I I can't blame him for doing that. I honestly, if I had no FSU ties, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I would make any different choice if those were my options, given his situation. Yeah, particularly if you're from Ohio and you get a chance to do your last year. So you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> for better or for worse, the last three years of Florida State football have in fact taken place uh, and have not just been witnessed by us, the Florida State fan base. You know, there's there's going to be some uh, long lasting or at least lasting impact on that and uh you know just unfortunately uh notre dame is uh, is a place that's a better fit uh for him right now and so best of luck to him i guess what i'm saying is like this was not an austin golson visit situation right right you, you remember that back in the day where the kid stumbled you know went kind of solo and made, made, a, made a wrong turn after uh oh what was that place called uh had the fish bowls yanni's mm-hmm. i think it was yanni's Back in the day, yeah. Okay, so going down the list here, talk about Nigel Kelly, talk about Elijah Pritchett. I think he's coming back for big man camp, by the way, which would be awesome. I know they're super, super excited to get get the number of kids they have coming in the big man camp in pads. That's actually a padded camp. You're allowed to do that. And then I know Atkins is just thrilled to be able to run a padded camp. That's like an offensive lineman's dream, <laughs> you know, but not have to work guys just in, in shorts and shirt. Now on, on the negative stuff, you you do lose twenty twenty three defensive end Gabe Harris. Did uh, did you see that? Yeah. So this is a uh, Thomasville. Is, is he? He's either TCC or or Thomasville County. Logist or from a geographic standpoint, uh, you know, thirty five forty five minutes outside of Tallahassee. Uh, had some Ohio State friends of mine reach out to me four or five days ago. Really put on a a great showing at one of their camps. You know, look, it's just going to happen uh, in general. I do, th- Lord knows we're not sunshine uh, pumpers here, but you can take away the the evaluation of this kid. I mean, you know, Florida State got on him early, um, and he's obviously somebody that, the you know, some of the larger powers in the college football world are going to aggressively pursue. Doesn't mean you can't sign the kid, uh, but he does decommit, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how involved Florida State is moving forward. You may be able to still get the guy. He's at 23. A lot of it's going to depend on how well you play this season, how well you keep developing a relationship, and how well you keep playing next season. I, I think we're going to see a lot of decommits from these kids who committed before they could go and visit like a lot of different campuses. And he just went and saw Georgia, I believe, what today. And you're just going to see this. Guys made decisions based on incomplete information at best, and now they're going to have more information to act on. And I think we'll see quite a, quite a few changes here in the next coming months, both to FSU's classes and then also to other classes. Now, that, I'm not saying, hey, Bud Elliott said we're going to have a bunch of decommits. That's not what I'm saying. But as kids acquire more information, as schools acquire more information about the kids, like I'm not going to dog these kids out here on, on the pod, but like there were some dudes there who hold FSU offers who I guarantee you, if they did not already have those offers, there's no way in hell the staff would extend one based on what they look like Physically, at camp yesterday, and so kids are like, "How'd this kid look?" I'm like, um, I want to answer this in a nice way because I have to see this kid, you know, at a future camp. But uh, yeah, pandemic makes it hard, man. There's a lot of these dudes, these staffs have never seen in person, especially especially in the 23 class. 
I got a, I don't, I don't want to say kick out of it, but I, I had to uh, just to take note of how many of the general fan base was shocked by the fact that Nigel Kelly had been committed for as long as he had. Obviously now a decommitment, but previously committed and had never met the staff. I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's worth us just sitting here hammering over how strange of a year it was last year, but it's worth reminding people a significant people of kids, a significant amount of kids that signed last year never met the staff that they ultimately signed with. I mean, so, you know, the fact that a 2022 kid is just meeting the staff here in June, it is strange, uh, but it has been a strange damn time in the world of recruiting over the last 12 or, or 14 months. And it's just kind of one of those anecdotes that helps drive it home. We have already had, I think the number's three. I'm, I'm going to say three to be conservative. I think we've already had three players from the top 24-7, decide to like leave school after only being on campus a few weeks who signed in the last class. I will say that's not normal to have that many this early. And I think it is a direct result of these guys not being able to visit anywhere and not being able to see stuff. Like that's just, it, you're, you're kind of flying blind. And so were the schools. As far as I know, like nobody who showed up on campus for the Knowles this year is sort of a oh shoot type kid like oh man we really miss on 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 this guy. I'm not saying they're all studs, but like I do feel like the staff feels that they probably dodged some bullets that you hear about other staff saying yeah this one kid we never really saw him in person. We thought we had a good read on it, and he's actually just not as big as as we thought he was. The information last year was really incomplete. Yeah, we have uh, here on the sheet to uh, kind of. Like I said, we'll be doing two episodes this week, so this is a little bit of a, a less formal show. We have good, bad, and indifferent. Before we leave the bad, uh, it is just worth pointing out that, uh, <laughs> yes, Florida State hasn't had anybody to show up to campus to which they've been concerned of, but there is still one noticeable absence. Uh, you know, Destin Hill, um, peers are going to be playing a waiting game there. I mean, the, the, this just may be a, a situation that you're having to, uh, to wait on to have a little bit of clarity, uh, Bud. You can you know give your opinion as to as to where we are. I think, and you again can confirm this. Sounds like he's got some flexibility. Uh, not that he's leaving Florida State. I'm not trying to float that out there, but I think that's just a uh, uh, not necessarily a letter of intent, kid, as much as a um, financial aid paper financial kid. aid paper sign. Yeah. So um, you know, I'll turn it over to you here, uh, but something that there's a significant amount of ambiguity here and uh, maybe a while until we have more clarity. Yeah. So look, I, I couldn't confirm exactly what was going on with Destin. I got a pretty good feeling what's going on here, but I'm not going to roll with something like that unless I've got it from multiple sources. What I do know is that this is not an academic or clearinghouse related issue. It's not like an FSU compliance type issue. Right, like that. That I feel good about. Um, I'm also pretty sure that he did not sign an NLI, but that he signed financial aid papers. I also do not think that this is like something where FSU is still trying to to fight it out with like some other schools. I I, I, I understand where you're going with that, and I, I think that's the logical assumption when we bring up the thing that like I think he was just financial aid, um, you know, housing paperwork and stuff, but not uh, you know not actually. Uh, signing an NLI, which more kids do than I think people realize. Uh, you usually have to have a parent sign a letter of intent 
And if, if they won't, then you sign financial aid papers. With the other stuff, I, yeah, I just don't know. And it's not something I would roll with unless I have multiple sources. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, you know, see when he shows up. Yeah, that is that is kind of where we are at this point. Uh, so yeah, so I realize there's times where I talk and uh, you know ambiguity can be interpreted uh, ways that are not intentional. Certainly was not uh, Florida State's not still recruiting this kid. You know, there's nobody else that's out there that's trying to poach him or anything else that I'm aware of anyway. I, so I don't want to try to uh, suggest that it'll just be a situation that has to resolve itself. And you know, hopefully at some point we see him and. Uh, and garnet and gold, maybe even some of those cool white uniforms that were flashed on social media over the weekend. As uh, somebody that's not a lover of the alternative uniforms, uh, those are very slick, and I hope to see them at some point in time. And let's just not bust out anything too over the top for Notre Dame. That would be my only uh, my only uniform comment. Uh, you know, we can save those for uh, something other than opening night. So. They do do that at, at, at the weird times sometimes. And I, sometimes I wonder, like, is it actually FSU or, or is it Nike or, or, or who's actually, you know, who's doing it to them? You want to do uh, indifferent here? Indifferent, yeah. Uh, one Nico Marchio decommits. Uh, shocker uh, to all that have been following this process. Undoubtedly, uh, Nico travels around, wish him the best of luck wherever he lands. So, uh, you know, I think I put 30% on this maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, whatever. It probably could have been more pessimistic than I was even at the time. So this this has been pretty clear as to the direction that this has been going in for a while. And, uh, you know, whether it be Michigan State or Arizona State or wherever, uh, wish Nico the best of luck. Absolutely. Uh, I'll just say what I said. I think on the last pod when we were speculating about this, you were the, one of the first people, I think, to say like that you're very doubtful that both would stick in the class. And you nailed it. Um, I think both quarterbacks are kids that if you don't have to outright promise a starting job to, you have to make strong intimations that they are going to have a really good shot to be your starter early on in their career. And kids talk. And they re- it's very hard to sell that promise to two kids, especially if they're two you know, fairly high-profile kids. I think that's the situation they had here. I think you had to aggressively sell playing time to both. Ultimately, I believe that the kid you have committed, AJ Duffy, is a better prospect uh, than Nico Marchio. It doesn't mean that that He's guaranteed to be better. doesn't mean that Nico can't succeed. I think he probably can. There's a lot to like there as well. But I just think both those kids really care about the opportunity for early playing time and read into that what you will. It's just very hard to promise that to two kids. And eventually somebody's going to get wise to it. I think Arizona State may be the destination for Marchio if they want him. Uh, but I know they're also looking at somebody else. So we'll see. we'll see where he goes. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people have talked about you know having an interest in Nico, but very much wanting to see some some tape this year. Uh, you know, like we talked about uh, a couple times, good sophomore tape, junior tape that that left uh, a, a lot to be desired. To be honest, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure he will. Uh, you know, have his, have his senior year experience, and then that'll be a pretty determinative factor as to ultimately what his options are. I was actually talking to a, a college coach about this yesterday uh, as, as we were sitting there watching a, a different position than quarterback. And, uh, and we were talking actually about him. And I was like, how, how concerned would you be with those touchdown, touchdown to pick numbers? And he was like, bud, you know, 
if it's if he if he's one of these kids that like played for like a really crappy school in Miami and stuck it out because he loved his team and you know he ended up having really bad numbers because the talent around him was just overwhelmed by like the better teams in Miami because there's a lot of you know super teams down there with the open transfers. He didn't say the super team part. I'm just giving you guys context. Uh, then maybe not a huge concern, but at that school in Arizona, yeah, somewhat concerning for sure. Um, so. Hopefully he has a better uh, a better senior year than a junior year because the sophomore stuff was was pretty impressive and, and and quite promising and we know he's a very good athlete and a good wrestler and we're really we're just shoot we might have to do three shows this week man this is this is crazy this is fun <laughs> we, might, we, we might turn into that daily podcast that you referenced yet here uh, in an effort just to to catch up with this week's content so um, we'll also talk about. Uh, you know, lack of commitments here. Again, not something necessarily that we're concerned about. Uh, but I, I, you know, my my personal point of perspective is that you've just had all these. You just had this window open up a week ago. All these kids are getting to see things in a in a more realistic manner, and uh, you know, whether it be on per, on campus or or not just on campus, and some kind of bizarre self guided tour or something like that. Interaction with the coaches. Uh, I just, you know, I think everything, everybody's kind of feeling uh, this self out. Now, I, I do think that we'll start to see a significant, some commitments uh, start to flow in here for Florida State, maybe in a week or 10 days. But what is your personal opinion of, uh, you know, lack of, at least from a commitment perspective, uh, real movement on the, uh, you know, from, uh, from some of these camps that they've had? Sure. So, uh, Ingram, I'm actually writing on this uh, tonight. And this will be up on 24-7 Sports tomorrow. So I'm really glad you put this in there. Uh, I was trying to say, when are we going to see this explosion of commitments? Not just to FSU, but nationally. And I was running some numbers. And so like, you, you kind of have to throw the class of 2021 out because I think we're at like 500 commitments right now nationally. Last year at this time, we were at like 950, right? So almost double. And that was because the world was ending, uh, at least in some states. And a lot of these dudes were panicking, trying to grab spots uh, because they weren't sure if they were ever going to get to visit. And they wanted to make sure that, that they at least had some kind of reservation made. Ultimately, they had to stay with those reservations they made because visits did not open back up. But I went back and pulled data, interestingly here. We are actually on the exact same pace that we were on in the 2020 and 2019 classes nationally as far as the number of commitments. And yet, I actually think there might be a little bit of a divergence here uh, in that in 2019, we had 597 kids commit in June. The class of 2020 had 676 kids commit in that June. As of tonight's recording, we've only had 28 kids commit through the first week in June. So I actually think we might have a situation here where because these dudes have been so kind of locked up forever, not able to take visits, especially not interact with coaches on their visits because they've done so much Zoom stuff, I think you'll have a couple kids who are going to commit immediately as soon as they get to the place where they are pretty sure where they want to go. But I think you're going to have a lot of kids who, who take the full month of June and really enjoy it. And maybe we end up having more commits in July. Um, I think that's possible. It's also possible that a lot of the commitment timelines get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And the reason for that is the looming scholarship crunch. 
I do not anticipate that the NCAA is going to uh, give relief for the super seniors against the 85 cap, which means that schools know and are planning that they have to get down to 85 again, including the, the super seniors who get that freebie year. I talked to a number of college coaches this weekend about this very topic. And I thought it was, I mean, if you listen to the podcast this far, you're probably into this. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I talked to him about like the challenge of roster management and, and that kind of stuff. And they're like, look, man, I can't go to a, a kid who's going to be a senior this year. I can't go to him in, in, in June. They're like, you know, hey, Roger, hey, Daryl, are you, uh, you planning on coming back for that at free year? What, 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 what's your thinking on that? It's just too early, right? Like even the kids we think we'd want to push out if our head coach lets us push them out, which is doubtful at some schools. It's just way too early because they probably don't know. And we don't know if we want them to go. Because like, what happens if they blow up and have a really nice senior year? Then we're going to want them to actually stick around. So I'm talking to some schools. They're telling me, man, we're going to take seven high schoolers. Or as of right now, we actually only have room for three. Right? Three high school players. We think we'll get it out to seven or eight. Because we think there'll be some, some super seniors who decide to enter the workforce or transfer out or whatever. I actually think the numbers are going to be even worse than I thought. And I, I was fairly aggressive in my projections uh, about how many fewer scholarships there would be at the D1 uh, level. It's a massive trickle-down effect. I've been talking to junior college and prep school coaches, and I have an article coming on this too. And they're basically telling me like the talent they're getting from the kids who aren't picking their schools just based on you know, grades or... Uh, you know, some kind of behavioral issue they, they, they need to put some distance between is unreal. We might have a pretty decent prep school and junior college explosion as far as talent coming to D1 in about two years. Because there's just not the spots this year. It's, 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 it's so unique. So I, I don't know like, that we're going to get to 600 commitments in June for the class of 2022. It, we may not. We may only have like 300 or 250. I, I, I guess we'll see. I think we're going to have more next week because of the kids getting back home, having done some of these visits. But it also brings up an interesting point. There are some players that FSU is recruiting right now. And I had these discussions uh, with other staffs and also with FSU staff. And I'm not going to name some of these players, but just because obviously like the staff's not supposed to talk about them. But there are some kids out there who are considering like the absolute best schools right now, the schools that have been in the playoff a whole bunch of time, you know, your, your Bama's, your Clemson's, your, your Georgia's, et cetera. And FSU is in a really good spot for them as long as they don't pick that one school. You know, in some cases, FSU actually might be the lead dog in actuality, even if the kid doesn't realize it yet. So there may be a kid with a top six or a top seven and three or four schools in that top six or top seven won't take it. I actually had the conversation with, with, with the guy who was at one of the better schools who was invited to the camp. And we were talking about this kid. I was like, where do you think he's going to go? He's like, I think he's going to go to Florida State. Why? He's like, well, I mean, he's one of these kids that loves to be recruited. He talks a big game, but they're not going to, like, school A is not going to take him and that other school is not going to take him. They're not going to take him. He's just not quite that level. I mean, he thinks he is, but they're not going to have the spots for him. I think there are several kids who 
some of our listeners might think are kind of pipe dreams who we've dropped some hints on, hey, look, FSU is in a little bit better spot here than you might realize. Just because some of these schools are not going to have room. And that trickle down really could impact a school like FSU because it is going to have more spots for the high school kids. Even though Mike Norvell didn't want to give a specific number when we asked him about it after the camp. I've got a good feel for this. They have more high school spots this year than almost any Power 5 school I've talked to. That's like having 25th round picks. You're not going to get a whole lot of first rounder you know, type, type picks in this class you know, from like the top 100. Those top 100 kids are going to find spots. I really believe FSU, if they have an okay year on the field, if they can find a way to make a bowl, are going to sort of clean up in that like 200 to 500 range. And at the bottom of your class, primarily comes from that 200 to 500 range, and you're not taking a bunch of kids who end up you know, being ranked 700, 800, 1,000 nationally, man, that adds up. That adds up a whole lot. Like that is very, that's more valuable than I think the, the, the listener might, might realize. That's, that's kind of why I went on this 15-minute discussion. Did that make sense? I just rambled like, <laughs> like crazy. Uh, it made sense to me. It made sense to me. I've, I've got uh, some experience with it, but uh, no, nah, it made sense to me. And I think it's a consistent theme that we've talked about and be interesting to see how, how much uh, Florida State can take advantage of that. And, you know, like you, uh, like you said, that, you know, not that we've ever gotten a ton of pushback from, uh, from the Moore Center over there, but the conversations about scholarships appear to be uh, not exactly their, their favorite topics of, uh, of things to get into. Best of luck with them managing. They're they're super open with with almost everything, you know. And every staff has something they don't necessarily love. So. Well, something that we love, and something that we've been fortunate to be able to uh, to partner with and be a, a beneficiary of uh, is, is congruity. Uh, fantastic uh, people. Uh, great Matt Lewis has been fantastic for us, and, and great with some of the other uh, new partnerships that have been created as a byproduct of uh, the sponsorship of the Nolcast. Uh, Congruity is experiencing your business optimized, highly customized HR solutions, designs to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Matt can be reached at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right. uh, We are, yeah, we went over an hour. Um, Let's table, let's actually go ahead and, and let's go through all the questions after the show. Look which ones we answer organically and then uh, organize them. And we'll do another show this week where we hit the questions we didn't get to. Fantastic. Uh, certainly enjoyed it. Uh, great to be able to get back, record again. Like you said, like we've mentioned many times, we'll have multiple shows out this week. Uh, so until next time, this has been the Nolcast. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.